Trying to understand cancer has led me down so many different roads, but I feel like this may be the foundation with deuterium. And Dr. Petra does an incredible job helping understand those basics, her approaches to cancer, and uh, it's uh, more fundamental in uh, this approach than anything else that I've come across. I think uh, it's very well worth the time to try to understand deuteronomics. Welcome to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. Dr. Petra, I am just absolutely ecstatic to be sitting down and visiting with you, uh, relatively new to your work and research, especially deuterium, but uh, your focus on cancer is something that uh, is, is super special, uh, you know, very important to me with, with my son Lander. And so if you don't care, tell me, tell me about like how you got into cancer and what you are doing. Yeah, of course. So um, back in 2018, my mom was diagnosed with a form of cancer. And um, that was quite shocking because I lost my dad when he was when I was 21 and he was in his early 60s. And um, uh, I really wanted to do everything I could do to help. And I realized, OK, we, we, we are missing something huge in cancer because we're not moving forward. There's no change. And I have to go back. And I, at some point during my education for naturopathic doctor, I came across deuterium and, you know, I was in the middle of, of school. So there was just no space for that to, to dive into. But as soon as this happened with my mom, I was like, okay, stopping everything. I'm going in all the way. And I did, and I didn't stop for months and I kept writing and trying to formulate and wrap my head around it. And I really quickly realized that it's absolutely the foundation of health. And so once I got that, I, I became so committed that from then on, I've been practicing what we now call deuteronomics. So deuteronomics is a term that was coined by Dr. Laszlo Borosh in 2019, and it was first introduced at the um, uh, deuterium depletion conference in Budapest. And um, I have been working with that ever since. So what is deuterium and what is deuteronomics? Should I expand on that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so um, water, we all know that that's H2O, two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen. And there is a naturally um, occurring different form, which what we call an isotope of hydrogen. And this isotope is so unique and so special that it's gotten his own its own name, which we call deuterium. And um, it is so unique and so profound because um, there's many other isotopes, like carbon has several isotopes and, and, and oxygen, but what's unique about 
hydrogen and deuterium is that the difference in weight and size that it occupies is a hundred percent. So if we look, for instance, between carbon 12 and carbon 13, that's only an 8% difference. So yeah, it will, it will change function a little bit if you have the isotope, but when you have a deuterium um, atom attached to the molecule, it changes everything. So, so the, the, to remove that from a molecule, it would take eight to 15 times the strength to pull that off. Or if you think of, let's, let's talk about cholesterol. Let, we have a cholesterol molecule in your bloodstream that needs to receive UVB light. And then the hydrogen bonds start resonating with this light. And then this particular bond between carbon nine and 10 breaks, and then you have a secosteroid or vitamin D. But if there's deuterium attached to it, that bomb won't break. It needs way more power than the UVB light can provide. So it, that's just a minor, there's so many um, processes that are affected in the body by deuterium. And that's really the key. And so um, trying to work with understanding how deuterium moves in the body, where it should be and where it should not be, and how we can influence that, that is ultimately the science of deuteronomics. So let's, let's go into kind of the positives of deuterium and where it's found and what really utilizes it in, uh, in, in nature and natural processes. So it's found everywhere in nature, in all water, in all plants, um, in all animals, and its uh, fundamental structure uh, um, benefit seems to be for structural proteins. It gives it strength, um, but it destroys moving proteins. You can think of it in that way. So in bone and in con connective tissue, um, proline and hydroxyproline bind deuterium for their strength. But you don't want deuterium inside of mitochondria. And in fact, all of our you know, intricate biochemical pathways, like glycolysis and the TCA cycle, they are there. All these steps are there to make sure deuterium stays outside of mitochondria. And that is, is the name of the game, as Jacenev has called it, is keeping deuterium out of mitochondria matrix. So it helps uh, tendons and cartilage and bones be be stronger, which is obviously important, but it's when it gets out of whack. Um, I think an analogy I heard was almost like putting sand in gasoline. It, uh, you know, that that's gums it up. It causes problems because it's just not where it should be. Um, what what is the function of like fungus and deuterium? Uh, I, Dr. Boros has talked about when you set out fat versus you set out like an apple and you will see the apple mold in a few days, whereas the fat won't. It's a growth factor. Deuterium is a growth factor for fungi, bacteria, prokaryotes, um, all sorts of, you know, it, it's, it can viral host. It's, it's a problematic um, molecule in that sense. So it, it can really, uh, if you have excess levels in the wrong places, it, it, it will express itself in any form of disease and mostly the chronic diseases that we're all very familiar with. And that is due to excess levels of deuterium. 
So the excess levels of deuterium are really the kind of that fundamental problem in, in this field. So where are we getting this excess deuterium? Yeah, so it's, it's in our food and it's in the water we drink. And that's really the primary ways how we get it. Um, food production has changed tremendously in the last, you know, 50, 100 years. And a lot of the ways that we make our food today, um, it's just filled with excess levels. So what we want to focus on is foods that are um, coming from authentically grown animals. So fats are the lowest, then you have the animal proteins, then you have um, vegetables, green vegetables, above ground ones that um, due to the process of photosynthesis are lower in deuterium. Um, and, uh, you know, once you go to the grains level and the fruits and processed foods and so forth, that's when it starts to increase. And then genetically modified, those to be able to withstand um, glyphosate. Glyphosate is a huge issue. I'm sure Dr. Senef will tell you about that um, and all the ways how that causes uh, problems for mitochondrial function and deuterium depletion. It's a major interrupter of deuterium regulation in the body. So, so I think this is kind of where this like cognitive dissonance comes in with when we are saying that, you know, fruit is going to be high in deuterium and we want to limit that. So help Help me understand or help me better be able to apply kind of that uh, aspect of it, because that's going to be a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. It's definitely been something that I I have tried to understand, especially through kind of like the carnivore uh, experience and looking at that and kind of that argument versus. So how how can we look at fruit through the uh, deuterium lens? So we've started testing. Uh, my daughter and I are working on a cookbook that will include all of the um, deuterium content that we will have measured of the various foods that we use in our meals. And fruits, um, by its nature, because it's so rich in, in sugars and in glucose, it is higher in deuterium. That's often where we find deuterium. Fats are simply lower. So that's why um, I, we recommend, and that's also the power of the ketogenic diet, um, the best quality fats that you can find. Um, and um, fruits, you know, sparingly, locally, seasonally, exactly when they're around. If you're healthy, those are great, you know. So I'm not saying forget all fruits ever again, but you want to really be mindful the way you use it. And, you know, we shouldn't be eating fruits out of season. That That's a key. Um, and not out of your zone either. The, the local aspect of it is uh, it, it's something we're really trying to actively build out this localized food system um, and definitely much more on on the regenerative uh, meats, the regenerative farming practices. That's that's a big deal. And uh, the deuterium, it really it really gives us kind of a scientific backing that is like, hey, this is why we need to do that, uh, even even in another uh, way uh, outside of the, the standard arguments there. Where does cancer come into play with this? And what what is your your base uh, thoughts and understanding with cancer in in, in where you are? Because Lord knows there's lots of different <laughs> ways of looking at that. 
So we described, or, or it has been described in the literature, uh, deuterium as an oncoisotope. So um, it is a um, growth factor, it, it spurs on cell division, and, and that's where the issue comes with deuterium. Uh, by the way, um, there was a great paper published that showed that the foods, that the uh, meats and the dairy from animals from regenerative farming or those that were able to, you know, be grass fed or at least in, live in their authentic habitat are much lower in deuterium than any type of, um, you know, CAFO type of a setup where these animals come from. So that's a huge piece and that's been published and it's out there. So, um, but back to the cancer piece, um, since it is a growth factor, uh, we want to, um, uh, in, in anybody who's had a cancer diagnosis, we want to limit the excess amounts from coming in and um, if needed, if high levels, if you test your level and see that that is way above where we think it should be for avoiding these types of um, mitochondrial dysfunctions, then we advise to aggressively try and reduce your levels in any way that we know how at this time. Um, and there's many ways, so that's the good news. So what are some of the ways of, of lowering uh, deuterium? Well, let's first start with how we deplete, how our body actually normally excretes it. Like we have regular processes for that, but since we are living such a different way of life today, mostly indoors, um, mostly under fake light, you know, um, or being told to, to not go outside and not have sunlight or then put sunscreen on. All of those pieces play part of it. So how we deplete is aside from these biochemical pathways, um, we deplete through um, our skin, we sweat through our breath, through our urine, through our stool, through our microbiome, which processes and, and takes out deuterium. That's why if you consume um, a diet high in deuterium, you will actually end up with a overgrowth of pathological bacteria in your gut. So yeast infections, anyone? So, you know, that, that situation is, is real. Um, so there's that. Um, tears. Um, I think these are the most profound ways that we um, deplete. Um, so how to, um, oh, hold on, sleep <laughs> is very important. You want to optimize your sleep, um, be in a dark room, be in a cold room, um, you know, uh, be as sound and as comfortable as you can. That's an important piece. Any kind of movement is very useful. Um, being outside, breathing, different types of breathing exercises, massage, yoga, all of those um, are very beneficial for you to help move fluids and also um, deplete your levels from certain tissues. So, so that's that. Um, and then the ways we can do it therapeutically, I mean, the first and foremost way is food. And that is because um, the food carries the hydrogens that um, are going to our mitochondria to produce, um, uh, it, it will affect the quality of your food, will affect the 
quality and quantity of the metabolic water that we produce in our mitochondria. And that is ultimately key. Many people are not aware of the fact that we produce our own metabolic water. And this water is very um, special and very important for us. And if our food is low in deuterium, that water will also be low in deuterium. And this is water that's essential for all of our biochemical reactions, for bathing our tissues, for making sure that energy and information transfers happen smoothly. If there's a lot of deuterium, we will, um, you know, through tunneling, deuterium will disrupt that entirely and, and, and just end certain processes of working well. So um, the food is, 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 an, is a huge way. Before I go on, go ahead. Do you have any questions you're looking like well, I was just the first time that I, I heard about structured water or easy water or co coherent water was actually through uh, Dave Asprey's work with Bulletproof Coffee and, and taking the butter and the coffee and the MCT oil and blending it together. And so that's, uh, you know, led down a, a deep rabbit trail of, of, well, I mean, I guess it led me to deuterium. But what what are your thoughts on on that Uh on, on coffee, for one, because I drink a lot, and I now that I'm looking in the deuterium, I'm like, maybe maybe that's not the best bet. But what what are your thoughts on consuming the structured water um, versus the trying to really improve the internal production? So as I understand, structured water becomes structured if it's in a living organism. So I don't think you can just having a glass of structured water over here, let's have it. So no. Coffee, by the way, is a very phytonutrient-rich compound that could be great for you, but it has to be, you know, shade-grown, not, not, you know, organic, not impregnated with, you know, pesticides and so forth. And um, you want to brew it in the original way and you like to make it maybe of quality water. So that might be another piece to it. And then that's a different story, right? Um, but so yes, structured water becomes structured in tissue and in your cells. And um, our mitochondria make is deuterium depleted water that is structured, yeah. One thing that... Uh we we're talking about with with Dr. Boros is that the cancer taking in the deuterium. And uh, I remember when when Lander was diagnosed, uh, we had no idea what was going on. He he just started peeing blood out of absolutely nowhere. And uh, the doctors came in and they had me fill his belly and, and palpate that. And I remember just this rock hard, um, you know, in in his belly. It was you know his kidney was the size of like a, a cantaloupe. So why is cancer? becoming hard and and do you think that that has has a fungal connection to it with with cancer i don't um i think it becomes hard because of deuterium it's 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 provides that strength and that's that's um that hardness i i think it's that totally totally so it's just taking the cancer is taking in and creating the structure uh, a hard structure with with the deuterium yeah that's right so what what is kind of like the overall? I know you can't get medical advice over over the internet and and to me specifically, but what uh, or like in this context, what um, what is the kind of general protocol, so to speak, that you do with 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 a cancer patient, or what are those highlight high points? 
So first of all, I don't have protocols. I really do try to work with anybody that I consult with in the most personal, individualized way. Um, and we work with what we can, where we can, and the circumstances they are in, with the budget that they have, and so forth. So depending on the diagnosis, depending on the um, goals that we have, um, we We'll try to tailor a way of moving forward in as many ways that I know how right now that would benefit them. And that can be very different, but uh, for sure it would be a food piece. Um, if needed, we would utilize deuterium depleted water um, to uh, more um, drastically and, and speedy drop levels in tissues. Um, then we would do all the lifestyle interventions that I know of. So make sure we have the discussions about sunlight, about evening fake light, blue light, computer use, ethernet cables, um, you know, all of the, the whole, you know, electromagnetic frequency piece. That's just also so important to think about. Um, and then removing other obstacles. So there's many things that people do, medications they're on, supplements that they're taking, um, you know, certain practices that they do. Um, you know, we discussed it all. We change where we can, what we can, and um, then use the natural ways of to deplete movements, um, certain plants uh, that would be very helpful if we assess for any nutrient deficiencies and support those in the right way. So all angles that I know of, we try to address. What does supplements kind of make you cringe when you know that people are taking them? Oh, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> most, in fact. <laughs> most, in fact, yeah. I, I really feel that um, most of them are produced by pharmaceutical industry. They are just synthetic compounds that are put in, in beautiful design bottles, and um, they can cause a lot of trouble for people trying to process and break it all down. Um, I'm all for food-based nutritional supplementation for a period of time to address outright deficiencies. That makes sense to me. Um, but I, I don't um, advocate for having 30 bottles on your counter and trying to, um, you know, open them all up. I, I don't know how that's, how that's sustainable financially, time-wise, mentally, all of that. I, it, it's, not, it's not a good thing. So there's, there has to be other ways. What's really opened my eyes uh, to the supplements, and, and I have a health food store. Like, I have a farmer's market and a health food store, so we do a lot of supplements. Um, and then it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller, the ones that I believe in and, and trust. So one, one thing about all of that is the B vitamins. So we have uh, MTHFR, SNP, me, my son, uh, and then the uh, folic acid connection there uh, being, you know, sold as folate. And that was a big red flag after looking into to Ben Lynch's work and trying to understand methylation and, and that folic acid is poison. So that would be synthetic B vitamin. The newest one is B6, uh, where it's showing to be a neurotoxin. And that is like just kind of mind blowing. But it's different. It's this synthetic. Why is a synthetic that is, you know, quote unquote, the same thing as the natural, not the same thing? 
Well, because oftentimes they use an isolate and they use it without its cofactors where it would normally appear. Um, so if you would take a very high quality desiccated liver supplement, for instance, to address B vitamin deficiencies and A and choline and so forth and copper, and um, then that's a very different way of your body to be able to assimilate something like that rather than a one high dose of one specific isolate. So I, I think that's a huge piece of it. I, I've been, I'm, I'm coming around uh, there, you know, that when you get overloaded, it was like, you know, Lander was diagnosed with cancer, just dove in. What do we do? Right. And you have all okay. kinds of different opinions and theories and tracks. And so this is, yeah, it, it, it is countless. And then you got, you need, you've got to be vegan or you've got to be uh, keto or you've got to be, uh, you know, carnivore. It's it just all these different, fembendazole, melatonin, just you get all these different things uh, thrown at you. Where where I still feel like there's something I don't understand is going to be around minerals because we we carry a magnesium supplement that I have seen absolutely without question, change people's lives for the better. Uh, it, it's been a miracle in a lot of, of situations. Uh, Morley Robbins and trying to understand copper and what he's done is kind of opened my eyes to copper and the lack of copper in our, our diet. And then even with regenerative farming, it's like, this is very important, but the, the, some of the livers coming back without any, any copper. So why, why are minerals important? And why do I feel like very few in the quantum space ever talk about it? So minerals are really very important and particularly copper because um, it's actually a cofactor in complex four to produce the metabolic water that I just talked about. So the synthesis of that. And, um, you know, there is this whole other uh, area that's being explored right now of how we actually produce our energy in, and um, it appears as though that the production of the metabolic water produces up to 10 times as much energy in our cells in the form of heat as ATP production does. And so co copper is required for that last step of, of the protons and the oxygen coming together in complex four. Um, but minerals are important all over and magnesium deficiencies are rampant because of the stress we're all under and the quality of our foods that have changed. Um, so that's, it, it's very uh, important to think about that. Um, I'm a very big fan of the quintone plasma marine seawater that has the minerals of um, the water uh, in the same, exact same um, uh, amounts as, as we in our plasma would prefer. I mean, ultimately we are encapsulated seawater. And so to have the minerals coming in in that same exact ratios is is wonderful. And so that I, I really, um, I think it's it's a great way of doing it. And again, most other mineral supplements, I don't know where they came from. I don't know what they did. How did they get obtained? Why did they just pick four? You know, it's 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 that. But I, I am, you know, a really great sea salt is excellent. You know, I'm a big fan of Fleur de Sel that has even higher mineral content, um, you know, those are ways of getting minerals into you as well. 
the yeah. uh, Celtic Celtic sea salt has been something that, that we have had or and I've seen, you know, a, quite a bit is uh, is is the desiccated organs and sea salt. Uh, do you feel like that's a good enough kind of insurance policy to acquire these these vital uh, nutrients? I do. I mean, I would prefer you to eat the liver, you know, um, I think that that would be a better way to go. Um, or other tissues, animal tissues or organ tissues. Those are very important if you can bone marrow or the, um, some people eat brains and the hearts and all of that. Those are very, very nutritious. So that would be a better way to do it. But yeah, if you find yourself with certain, um, deficiencies, those are absolutely the first places to start for sure. Awesome. What uh, one thing that we have been really excited about doing is some of our our farmers and producers have done uh, heart and liver in the ground, and uh, you you can't taste it, and it works great. And that's what I've given my kids for for years. So help uh, help me understand about the cookbook. I love that you're doing that. I was thinking, you know, I was driving over here to to get. It's like I wonder if we have like a low deuterium diet plan or a cookbook or something. So I love to hear you're doing that. Give. Give us a, a preview of what's going to be in that. I mean, it's really going to be great because both my daughter and I are great cooks and have been cooking for a long, long time. And at some point we had a blog and she's an amazing photographer and designer. So um, our biggest stumbling block has been we've been in different continents or countries and we're trying to do it together. Um, but we've already um, selected a whole set of beautiful meals. And our, our um, goal is to not just list a bunch of ingredients, say, oh, this is the content. No, no, no. We want to compose a meal that has all the parts and the satisfaction. And yet the overall level of the deuterium is, you know, at a reasonable range so that you can um, eat those meals and enjoy them because we love food. And um, I think there is a way to uh, move away from high deuterium food and still be completely satisfied and love all the meals that you have every day. So that's ultimately what we want to accomplish. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the blue zones and where, where does the the water come into play and and this everything that we've talked about because I feel like that's another connection that we don't ever hear any like what are they drinking is never discussed uh, and deuterium <laughs> seems to play a role play a big yeah. role once once you understand deuterium yeah well first of all there are no more blue zones left right the blue zones data is really should should only be looked at from before we kind of saturated the world with American style Western food and the, the whole electric magnetic radiation frequencies that have changed everything. So having said that, yes, there are very specific areas that, that we're talking about where the, um, the term content of the water was much lower than in other areas. And so we can think of that in the center of continents, it is often lower um, and unless you go near the equator, that's where it's very high. If you're going high up to um, uh, Alaska, uh, not Alaska, the, the North Pole, 
it would be much lower again. Um, you know, deuterium changes the properties of water. And one of those is that it freezes at four Celsius rather than zero Celsius. So this would mean that if you are on the mountains and the top of the stream starts to freeze, that is the, where the deuterium goes. And so the water below it is going to be lower in deuterium. And that is often where these some of these blue zones are. There's a particular areas, I think, in Poland and in Russia that have uh, um, small villages of people that have drank that water exclusively and easily lift up into their 90s and hundreds and so forth and without chronic issues. So it's, it's a really interesting um, uh, way of looking at how these blue zones actually, what their benefits were, aside from eating high you know, meals and fats and animal protein and, and so forth. Um, here, here in Arkansas, like I think Mountain Valley water is known, you know, kind of worldwide. Do you know anything specifically uh, with, I was unable to find anything deuterium connecting to Mountain Valley, but do you know anything uh, on, on that? Um, I think that is one of the ones that is lower, but the best way to do it is just get it tested and you know, <laughs> then you know what you're getting, you know. So I, how I would... do you, how do you get tested for deuterium? So there's different labs that can um, do this for you. They can test both your water samples as well as your saliva sample. And then you can see what the level are in, in your bodies are. Um, that can be very helpful. And I, I think that's a good place to start to see whether you need to address what you're doing. Um, and um, yeah, I think I would do that first. What uh, data do we have on um, cancer patients and deuterium levels? And what what would you expect to see if, say, I sent in a test or, or you know, my son? What uh, what what would that look like? So, um, yeah, good, 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 good call. Let's let's talk about that. So the levels of deuterium um, in most drinking water are approximately 150 parts per million. So that means um, out of a million uh, hydrogens, there will be 150 deuterium. Again, you may think that's what is this so little. What are we? What are we talking about? If you um, compare that to calcium or magnesium or glucose in your body, deuterium is much, much higher, two to five to 14 times higher, right? So, so, but we never measured that, so we don't know, so we don't talk about it, but it's very prevalent. Um, so that's high, and um, it is our understanding that around 130 ppm of tissue levels not blood level, but tissue levels, which we can measure through measuring a breath sample or saliva or urine, but that tends to be a little bit higher than your, your breath samples. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to be in the low, if you're not using water or foods, you should only foods, you should be around 132, 135, ideally. If you are above that, you are carrying excess levels of deuterium and you need to try and lower that. Now, I, I have tested many, many people and there was a time when I was able to test both 
breath as well as um, saliva. And um, the patients with the gravest diagnoses have truly the highest levels. So um, I've, I've really collected that. And they were in the 150. Um, there's one person that actually had 161. Was so so high that's even above any natural water that she was drinking so she was really holding on to it um, but those are our ways to assess that and um and that's why it's important to think about what we um what we eat and what those deuterium levels are in the foods that we consume and the water the waters that we drink so again if most water is 140 150 ppm most tap water if you are drinking and doing what you know the water industry would like you to do which is hydrate hydrate and hydrate you are deuterium loading <laughs> and you're just not thinking about the fact that you are actually um, producing your own metabolic water and that you really should be guided by thirst and not by something that says somebody who says oh no you need to drink more it's not based on any physiological or biochemical you know, uh, movement in the body. So um, sit with it, realize you produce your own metabolic water and that you do that way more efficiently from fats. So we know that you produce 110 grams of metabolic deuterium depleted water from fat, but from, from 100 grams of fat, but from 100 grams of carbohydrates, you only produce 55 so all of that is is huge you know to take that in consideration in your approach of how to handle what your levels are, are about does that make sense it, it does and I think the first time that I heard this my mind just completely like just exploded because they the we've always been told drink more water you got to drink more water you got flush it out and so like especially with Lander he had one of his kidneys removed so he's got one kidney so I've always been like we got to keep his kidney flushed out we got to do that so I'm just like cringing at the thought of some of the decisions that you know I have made yeah. where we didn't know another I, well I mean he got cancer because I made terrible decisions that I didn't know you know based off of the environment we lived in the foods the things about ourselves you know and so that's it's another reason why I'm so passionate about talking to experts like you on how do we learn and then how do we apply it? Cause knowing it is only, you know, a fraction of the battle. We got to apply these things. I am in so many different, uh, you know, quote unquote, alternative cancer groups and things. Never, never heard anyone talk about deuterium. So what is, what is that basic introduction to this conversation do you believe uh, on, on those topics? Because there's a lot of sick people looking for answers, and this isn't on very many people's radar at all. No, and it should be. And it should be the foundation of any treatment plan moving forward. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, we just have to keep talking about it. Um, we're working on a course that will hopefully um, attract practitioners to be able to understand the science behind this um, and then apply all of the ways that we know now how to move forward and, and use that. You know, the problem is that um, it is a new area in science and we need to reinterpret all of the research that we already have with deuteronomics in mind. So we call that deuterpretation of studies and, and papers. And most research, most biochemistry books, most textbooks and medical textbooks, they don't even discuss water as it's an issue or 
in a process or, or in a biochemical reaction, it's assumed to be either not playing a role or not, you know, not being important enough to even discuss. But that's wrong because at least a third to a half of all biochemical reactions in the body involve water in you. So, of course, we need to be talking about it. And this is not my calculations. There was a great paper that came out in 2021 by NASA and Georgia Tech. And they talk about in a medium, uh, it's, it's, I forget the exact title, but it's a beautiful paper. And it tells you exactly why water is so important. And it's never just a bystander. It's always playing a role. So, um, yeah, it has to be discussed. It's crucial. Deuterium is, is key. I'm fascinated. I'm I'm going to, I just feel like this makes too much sense and I'm kind of going full steam ahead with it. I, hopefully Dr. Boris don't get tired of me, but uh, he, he has been an absolute blessing. I, the patience that he's had and I, I have no education uh, at all. Uh, I sell tomatoes on the side of the road. So him to be able to help me uh, understand has just been a godsend. I, he's the, he gave me your name um, in, in conversations and, and that's what led us here. So can you tie one more thing in for me with, since I do sell tomatoes on the side of the road, um, how does deuterium play in agriculture, whether that's, you know, livestock or plants, do we have anything that shows uh, the role of, of either like low deuterium in agriculture or, or anything? Yeah, like I just mentioned earlier, there's that paper that came out also in 2021. In fact, it was the cover in one of the most downloaded papers that um, shows that if um, the deuterium content is very different in in the meat and the dairy of animals that were raised authentically now, um, it's the same story for anything that has gotten glyphosate on it, the oils, the vegetable oils and so forth, they are much higher in deuterium content. Um, it's crucial for agriculture, absolutely, to keep all of these pieces in the back of your mind and how plants grow. It's a, it's a growth factor, deuterium. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's very uh, there. You know, the Freie Universiteit in Amsterdam has a course, and part of their focus is agriculture. And so, it's it's another piece of the puzzle. And yes, I encourage you to discuss that with your farmers and the market, and and bring that into their awareness as well, because it's it's crucial for all of us. Love it. Um, so give me one thing that just stop eating. Don't eat this ever again. And then how can we connect with you and, and follow your work and that the, the anticipated cookbook? Okay. So coconut water. Don't ever drink that again. So the okay. coconut, it, it's, it's, you know, people think it's like, a, oh, it's a rich beverage that we should be having. Um, the coconut is a fruit and or a nut and it places it's deuterium in the water and it, the fat is low fat is low in deuterium. So eat the fat, but not the water. It's, it's very high in deuterium. So no good. It's not a health food. Um, so there's that. And uh, my website is drpatrid.com. And um, we are working on the Deuteronomic Science Institute, which will be established in 2024. And so that will be a huge help in moving all of this forward. And that will be coming and we'll be sure to keep you posted with that.
Thank you so much. Thank you for the time, uh, all the work you've put out, and we'll keep. Uh, I'll, I'm going to be the Arkansas deuterium guy, so uh, we're, we'll keep uh, preaching it out, out here. But uh, thank you again. I appreciate it, and can't wait to see see that cookbook. You're very welcome. It was truly my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Sewing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to sewingprosperity.com.